Hey, you're listening to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast celebrating the endeavours of creatives on the north coast of New South Wales. This will be the last episode for 2021. Going to have a little hiatus, record a whole bunch of new interviews and um, get right back into it early 2022. So I just want to thank all the sponsors, all the listeners, all the radio stations that have played it. Um, and enjoy this last one. It's with Wild Time, uh, a great new act on the North Coast. I talked to Laura, Arlene and Katie. We had an awesome chat. Uh, enjoy the show. You're listening to Celebrate Sounds, a podcast celebrating the endeavours of creatives on the North Coast of New South Wales. Today, uh, in the lovely lounge room of... Arlene, Arlene. Fletcher. Arlene, Arlene Fletcher. Yeah. Fletch. Um, Fletch. Uh, we're, we're hanging out as wild time. We're having a wild time Yeah, Katie, Arlene and Laura. How are you guys going? Yeah, good. Couldn't be better. Yeah. Uh, also, it's really funny too because um, we all forgot mic stands and even though we've got a couple here, mine doesn't work anymore. So the girls <laughs> look awesome. Like you can't see it because it's a podcast, audio only, but they look awesome like their TV reporters ready to kind of report on the weather. Maybe this is my new career. Sitting down, yeah, yeah, quite like relaxed and yep. just holding a mic to you. Feeling so, quite powerful with this. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, lives. you've got the power too. You've got the headphones on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we. I always like to get started just talking to you guys and uh, I'll get Katie, you to start off. And just introduce yourself, sure. what you do in the band. Um, you can all do that and then we'll sort of just chat and see what happens. Great. All right. Yeah. So uh, my name's Katie Crane. I play guitar in Wild Time. So Wild Time is T-H-Y-M-E, like the herb. Um, I also do vocals and songwriting and, yeah, that's me. Yeah, cool. Nice. All right. Um, my name's Laura Target and I'm the fiddle player in the band and I also sing and write some of the songs. Cool. Great. And I'm Arlene Fletcher and I play a double bass for the band and help with chords. Here and there. Chords. <laughs> you have to throw that one in there. Everyone's sort of giving their musical resume. Yeah, well, you know, bass you, players, do chords. You put, do you put that it. down when you um, apply for a band, just like good with chords? I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> band resume. Go and edit my resume, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so lovely to meet you guys and catch up again, Katie. Um, wild Time, as you guys are as a trio, uh, I've seen you guys play a little bit of your set. Uh, I think, is it 63 at first? Yeah. A yeah. few months ago, maybe. it feels like forever ago now. The time's a bit of a blur. Um, but it was a project that was coming together this year and you guys have sort of just – you're very fresh. So yeah. why I'd love you guys just to take us through the story about how you all met, when you knew each other were musicians, all that kind of – all the little idiosyncrasies that happened along the way until you got to be being able to play and perform live together. Sure. Well, um, we're heading towards our first birthday actually is Wild Time. Happy and birthday. Well, we're going to do a gig locally, possibly at the Bellingen Butter Factory nice. to celebrate and invite all our friends and anyone's welcome. Um, so we, uh, Laura and I met when she moved from the Northern Rivers and we got hooked up through a mutual musician friend and Laura came to my place and we just played music on the veranda and it just worked instantly. Mm. It was so much fun and Laura said it was the best mother's group she's ever been to. <laughs> we both got kids. Yeah, little ones. Um, yeah, and Arlene is a notoriously exceptional bass player, very well trained and, and, you know, a bit of a legend of a human. So we'd been 
watching her from afar and, you know, dreaming that we could have a bass player like Good with Arlene. chords, I've heard too. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All over them. Um, and she moved to town, so nice. that's, how, that's how that happened. Cool. Um, where were you previously, Arlene? Uh, I was living in Armadale for four years, cool. so I grew so you, up there. you knew each other? A little yeah. bit before. Yeah, nice. Well, I actually remember meeting Laura when I was 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that was a, just a little bit ago. Um, <laughs> Did you play music then as well? It was at Woodford Folk Festival. When you were 16. Yeah. And were you playing music at Woodford? Or yeah. You, yeah, cool. yeah. So I was playing in a sort of Turkish Macedonian group at yeah. the time. Yeah. So that was really fun. But I remember meeting Laura back then. And then I met Katie oh, about four years ago. Yeah. Was it at Winterfest? Yeah, it and was. you were playing and I was playing in a different band. And yeah. We were playing at the brewery. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, kind of yep. back to back or something that's like right. that. Oh, that's yep. cool. yeah, we right. We passed each other and started chatting. And, and you were still living at Armadale at the time. Yeah, I was. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And planning to move to Bellingham. What, what brought you here? Well, actually, I um, got headhunted for a job. So I'm a teacher by day, a music teacher by day. Cool. And where do you teach now? I teach at Coffs Harbour Senior College. Nice. Yeah. Yep. So teach music there. And really, I just came for a change of scene and the coastal life and thought, oh, well, I'll just be here for a year to test it out. And then, what was it, two months I'd been here and they hunted me down. So it was nice. <laughs> yeah. Head hunted for a job and a band. Yeah, I'm not yeah. pretty not nice about that. that Absolutely. Nice. Well, it's nice when it all falls apart. Uh, falls apart. No, no. It falls together. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It's kind of cool too, like obviously the fact that you, there's a little bit of like synchronicity in the past where you, you met at, at uh, Bella Winterfest and you guys knew each other at Woodford. It's kind of nice that, that all these years later, even if you didn't have much of a connection then, when you first met, all these years later, you're kind of doing tunes yeah. together. So yeah. tell us about the tunes that you play. Like, are you doing originals? Are you doing standards? Like, what what's the story behind your uh, music? Um, well, we all come from different musical backgrounds. So I, I used to play a lot of Irish traditional fiddle, mm. and I guess that was my the thing that I did for many years. I did have a classical training really early on, but pretty quickly went into all the folk music. Um and then got into a bit of gypsy jazz as yeah. well and some Middle Eastern music and Balkan folk music. Um, Katie's obviously a bluegrass star and Arlene has a jazz background. Mm. Um, so we try and bring all those influences into our music um, and write our own originals as well, which yeah. is, I guess, influenced by all of all of those backgrounds, but also by our own personal experiences of you know, life and love totally. and the shadows and yeah. the rest of it. Yeah, I guess that's a, quite a nice, like, coalescence of, of genres too. Like, it's not just, like, you know, pop and blues or something like that. It's like a, a real, like, smorgasbord of musical delights. How do you find, when you're songwriting together, how do you guys find that dynamic? Are you pretty flexible with just see where it goes? No egos, I don't imagine. No. no. <laughs> I, not at all. I find, um, for me, it pushes me with my songwriting. So I love hearing what Arlene you know, has to say about chord progressions mm. and just, you know, getting out of that one, four, five thing, which is, you know, the, the meat and potato. And <laughs> yeah, easy and great. The meat and potatoes sure. of country music and blues yeah. and that sort of music. Yeah. And just finding some, you know, other sounds that are more harmonically interesting. Totally. Yeah. And that yeah. would, well, that would be if you're trained in jazz, that's the, 
So you're playing all the crazy extra chords, the notes, the thirteenths, and, and the yeah, yeah, inversions yeah. and whatever. Do you play keys as well? So you play, but so you know all the theory, all the chord theory, yeah. but you play bass. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. How does that? I, I'm interested how that translates because I obviously know you know scales and, and musical yeah. theory is all really important, but when you're only playing one note at a time, does it just help you know where everything, where you need to be all the time? Um, I guess in jazz training, like we really look at what the melody and the harmony are doing. It's Mm. just still the, you know, butter and bread of music. But being able as a bass player to diagnose exactly what's going on in every bar, Mm. it helps you build bass lines that support the melody or support and create interest while people are soloing. So it's actually a really great tool to have. Um, And no, I don't play keys. I actually (laughs) failed my first year piano Subject at jazz school, <laughs> but you know, I can imagine um, jazz piano is actually pretty like pretty tricky to do. Oh yeah, it's all <laughs> tricky on that thing. But I, I get the theory and I can yeah. apply it to my instrument, and I just find that interesting as well. I guess. Well, it's interesting. I like the mathematics the, yeah. of it, and I like, even though I'm not great at maths, but I like the mathematics of music. And totally. Yeah, science well, that's kind of, and, uh, and that, that probably is a quite a classical way of looking at music. A lot of the time, when you think about maths, and yep. you know, back then, and and people do it now as well. I'm I'm sure, uh, but like they're thinking mathematically because they were they were writing all the different parts out, and they obviously couldn't play all the parts, so they're writing and composing all this stuff, and it's all up here, like all the knowledge of where things are. Yep. I'm totally bad at that. Like I can hear it, and if I can play it or, or listen, yep. really good. But it's, if it's just written on a piece of paper, I'm like, it doesn't mean much to me. But the, for some people, they actually just thrive off that. And I off find reading. it really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I just never, I could never get into it. I don't think I have the attention span to like really sit there. Did you find that for you? I, I started as a classical really player. Yeah, I started okay. as a classical guitar player when I was seven and I didn't practice a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I learned to read then. And then kind I went of, to yeah. double bass when I was 14 and I was classically trained. Yeah. So reading to, yeah. was always part of my music journey. Yeah. And I think that's helped me, but I definitely have an envious side of musos that can pick up all of those extensions just by ear too. So I see both edges of the sword. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it helps like if you've got the tools to diagnose it, like you said, it's pretty cool. What about you guys, like classically trained? Like, So I'm I'm just interested because obviously the story of Wild Time is quite this uh, eclectic combination of all different styles and and whatever. Are you guys both classically trained or...? Well, um, I, I'm not. My my dad taught me. He's a professional guitar player. Mm-hmm. My brother is a um, professional musician as well. But just going back to that thing of, um, you know, different ways people reading and, and learning by ear, I've got to say Laura has got the most extraordinary ear out of anyone that I've ever played mm, with. Wow. Yeah. She can play anything. I just remember one of the first times I played with her and I just played her a 16-bar bluegrass melody. And she goes, just play it again, play it again. I played it about four times and mm. then she had it. Yeah, and, right. you know, that was 16th notes. She just nailed it and yeah, she's wow. never forgotten it and that's how <laughs> she operates. Mm. So you got like it's like whatever the f- photographic memory is for, for pictures, you've got that for melodies maybe. Yeah, yeah for I guess in genres that I'm familiar with, yeah. Um, yeah, I had an early classical training on the violin and I also used to play treble recorder. So I did all my grades up to grade eight on the treble recorder, <laughs> you, you which not many people know. You don't hear that very often. <laughs> We're laughing because who does and that? Like, 
And to be honest, not even often, just ever. Yeah. So, but I there's actually, a, there's a few impressive. of us out there. I mean, I think I honestly think a few times on this podcast, I've talked to different guests about you know annoying um, annoying instruments, and without a doubt, every single time I have that conversation, the recorder comes up. Yeah. But but the other the, the the flip side to that is when it's played well. Yeah. It is actually ridiculously incredible. It's just that. Probably from, you know, your kindergarten first music lesson. It's just, it's so excruciating to listen to. It, it really that, is. Like, unless you're really excelling early on, it's like, nah, let's let's find a less yeah. uh, offensive instrument to yeah. my ears. Yeah, I was quite lucky. My dad really loved classical music, yeah. so we often had a lot of classical music, including amazing recorded players in the house. Yeah. Um, and so when I started playing at school, I was one of those kids that did just um, – just loved the sound of it and yeah. wanted to go further with it. So, yeah. yeah, I did that. And then my teacher moved away and I kind of just let it fizzle because also the fiddle had really taken over yeah. by that point. Do you still play the recorder? Can you still get it out? I can. I played Katie a tune the other day, actually. Yeah. She did. <laughs> I, I awesome. wanted to see it in action. She told me about it and I was like, okay, I'm sorry, you have to yeah. get it out. <laughs> you can't say that you're like an expert recorder player and, and not play yeah. a song. I'm, I'm pretty rusty these days. <laughs> she played a mad record a solo and <laughs> knocked my socks off. That's cool. I have thought it would be fun to bring it into the band and do some classical pieces over yeah. jazz backing. Yeah, really just good to, idea. Just because we could. Why not? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, from from hearing how you guys described all your different genres and all that, that sort of seems to be the thing, like trying yeah. stuff that's a little bit like, Less. A, yeah, like a smorgasbord, mm, putting absolutely. it all in, which is really cool. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, I was going to – I got sidetracked in my own brain. I was going to ask you a different question. Um, oh, yes, that's right. So the songwriting process for you guys, um, obviously coming from different backgrounds, all that kind of stuff, what's the – I always find it fascinating to, to talk to different people and see how they approach it. Some people start with melodies. Some people start with beats. Some people start with a, a guitar, chord progression, whatever. How do you guys as a trio kind of approach songwriting? We – Tend to, um, well, so far it's a work in progress. I guess we're yeah. finding finding the best ways to do it. Um, so far we tend to come up with a bit of a sketch individually and then bring it to the band. And, for example, if Katie shot. has an idea, then I'll suggest a melody. Or if I have an idea, then Arlene and Katie will suggest some chords. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. And, yeah. and I'll continue. I'm, I'm like, where does it go from there? <laughs> My whole thing about interviewing all these musicians is I'm just trying to get all your best ideas. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm writing a song, um, it generally starts with a melody yeah. and it'll just start with even the very beginning of a melody and then I'll find a chord that that sits nice over mm. and I might actually do the chords from there and let the melody be written through the chords. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics just fall out really. Um, I find that once I've written a song lyrically, it's like it has to come out. I can't stop until it's done. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And and what, like, inspires you when you're – are you all write the lyrics together or you same sort of thing? Like, so basically it's like you, you come with a, an idea or concept, whether it's melodically or, or melodically and lyrically, mm-hmm. and then you just workshop it and, and basically refine it with each other. That, is that sort of the vibe? So far um, – We've we've written lyrics fairly separately, you yeah. know, a few suggestions um, and changes, but really I suppose like if I'm writing a song, it'll be a story that's very honest for me. Sure. If Laura's writing a song, it'll be a story that's very honest for her. Um, and yet we just wrote a song 
um, uh, traffic offenders school, oh, yeah. <laughs> which oh, we yeah. all wrote together. You know, like I just, feel like just there's for an fun. Interesting backstory. <laughs> yeah. to that song. There is. Um, God, we, we, <laughs> is it G-rated? Should we? It's definitely G-rated. <laughs> it's definitely it. G-rated. Um, Laura recently had her license suspended. Like you, you can probably tell <laughs> she she has got it back now, but you can probably tell that Laura's a very wholesome, um, you know, together kind of a person. But she has this thing where she had like a whole lot of very minor traffic infringements. I think it's, you know, when you've got little kids screaming in the car and you're just going that little bit too fast or you just (laughs) get to indicate or something. I I totally relate. And so they kind of piled piled up and she lives out of town and she'd lost a license. For eight months. For eight months. How far out of town? Um, Over on the coast, so not too far, but it's about 20 minutes into town. Yeah, for sure. And single mom, and she was like, "What am I going to do?" And I just thought, you know, let's cheer her up, and we'll write her a song. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I ask in the eight, uh, in the the license losing um, time frame, where are you, uh, is that over now? It's over oh, now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't imagine you'd be laughing about it if it was still sort of a thing. No, I miraculously got it back after one month. I'm not yeah. even sure what happened. I just I lost it for eight Thank months. Thank you. And then it was a month in, I got a letter. All so. of the police listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll just leave the last we'll, names. We'll leave, we'll leave it the last now. Names, got her now. Yeah. It's very popular among the police. Um, no, that's cool. Um, so yeah, well, that's cool too. And like, I, I suppose like. It is hard for anyone to write a really heartfelt song with someone else inputting, unless there's sort of a to and fro within the story already. Yeah, yeah. If it's something fun and funny like that, like got me a husband at traffic offenders school, you know, it's it's all good. (laughs) That's great. That sounds quite comedic. Is is that how you write sometimes too? Like it's story, it's comedic? Sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and sometimes. That particular one was. That one's, yeah. So what, what's happening with you guys? Um, I know you've been performing heaps around the place. Um, when What was your first gig? Oh, um, you and me, Laura, at the Cedar Bar, the first gig out of lockdown. That's right. The first lockdown. First gig in town. As in yeah. like last year? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay, because you said you're almost a year old. So yeah. what, November, December last year, right? Must have been about then. Cool. And the first gig with all three of us, and we mentioned before that we'd been courting Arlene from afar and as soon because as she you came. Didn't have a you didn't have a name or you weren't ready to release the name last time we spoke. No, and I told you it was something completely different that it ended oh, up Oh, really? Being. Well, there you go. Yeah. You, you didn't tell me anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said it was, we're thinking of. Calling it Blue Moon. Oh, <laughs> yes, you did. No, I do remember. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's not. It's wild time. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Arlene came to town, we were just conspiring, saying, how we, you know, we want her to play with us before someone else snavels her up. And so we um, you we had her? this. Did you woo her? Did you take her out to dinner? We wooed no. her. We wooed her with a great gig, with great sounds, good paying, yeah. and playing with another great band called Honey and Knives with a really good vibe, awesome. likely to sell out. I was like, hey, come and be part of this. <laughs> come over. Come over. One of us. Well, I think, like, as a musician too, like, if you do move to a new town, there's probably nothing better than musicians in the town going, oh, we've met before we want to, like, connect and, and play. Like, how was that for you? Um, it felt pretty great. Yeah. Um, Do you know many other people in Bella or did you before you came down? You have, yeah, I knew a, a few, few okay. like more of the jazz people. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it felt really good. I was surprised, though, because I still still felt like I was sort of finding my feet, yeah. you know, new chapters, new change. 
Um, but I was pumped and I just thought, oh, even if it's just one gig, great. Yeah. But then after that gig I realised it was probably not a one-time Was So that thing. was the, that was the, the thing that you – so you got her in with music, yep. played together and then you got the bug. Yeah. Contagious. Yeah. I think we all became really firm friends yeah. as well and that was quite a big part of our connection as a band. Well, mm. I think any time you see people who really get along on stage – and are having a good time and enjoying each other's playing and each other's friendship, there's a different kind of dynamic. Like you can see excellent musicians that have not much of a vibe, not much not much chemistry. So it's lovely mm. if you can actually play with people you really like and who are really good. Yeah. That's the extra bonus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's great. And so that first gig obviously um, must have been a really good experience. What What's it like for you guys playing live? And I always ask this with performers because – you know, it's it's quite untangible sometimes what people, artists like to do and, and why they like to perform. But I noticed, and you probably did too, with the last two years, having the time off where you couldn't perform, you couldn't connect with audiences. And there's a whole bunch of different reasons. But for you guys, like, what is the perform, like, what's performing like for you? Um, performing is what I love to do. Yep. I think we all feel the same. Um we we love to share our music with people. We love we love to be we love to have those organic moments on stage where you're yeah. connecting with the audience and we're connecting together as musicians. Mm. Um, that's for me, and I think for the for the girls, that's what's important for us. It's yeah. sharing the music, having fun, bringing joy and honesty as well. You know, some of our songs are are very. Um, personal and honest, you know, and we hope that other people who have had similar experiences or felt those feelings, you know, they can relate to it. And we, we do get people coming up to us after the show saying, hey, that song you wrote, I can really relate to that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there's not much better than, like, someone connecting with a story that you've kind of written and, and the fact that you get to perform it too. Like, imagine to – it would be like if you were uh, uh, quite a well-known author – compared to if you were just a quite a niche author where you don't often meet your own fans and so you don't see the joy that you're bringing when you've written a book and someone's reading at home. Mm. You know, I don't think the authors are sitting at home going, I oh, know someone's reading my book, it's really great. Performing such a different experience like that because you're sharing something in real time and space with real people. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing. What, what about you guys? Like do you have something that about performing that it's like, okay, just think about the times that you couldn't perform in the last couple of years mm. and, and what you missed about it, that kind of stuff. I think for me it was definitely the connection to people but also the athleticism almost in playing as well. Like I'm sure everyone felt that the first gig back after yeah. lockdown. You're like, oh, I'm chopped out. Yeah. But <laughs> what I like about performing with these ladies is that it's not always the same. Not every yeah. gig is the same and not every song goes exactly the same. And I love improving off with Laura and Katie, you know, that element of, yeah. of improvisation. Like that's that sort of ticks my boxes. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that we can be cheeky and also have each other's backs. Yeah. And that's something that feels really secure and safe so we can take risks that's so on cool. stage. Yeah. Nice. And Laura? Um, I feel like performing live is a really collaborative experience as well as between us with the audience. Mm. Um, so I've spent years and years playing shitty pub gigs with Irish bands, you know, in the UK and yep. also in Melbourne for some years when I lived there, um, where you're basically just there as part of the furniture, kind of yep. adding to the vibe, but no one's really paying attention. Yeah, yeah, totally. um, and it's 
a bit soul destroying to be honest <laughs> but it's such a different experience than when you're playing to an audience who are really engaged and they're um connecting with you and yeah. and it becomes like it's hard to explain it I mean as a musician you probably know but this sense of connection as Arlene says where you feel like you're really um uplifting each other somehow yeah, totally. yeah. yeah. and yeah. so yeah for me I guess that's quite meaningful well a hundred percent I mean like I, I play a lot of those shitty pub kicks. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> not, not in, the, not any of the venues that sponsored this podcast. No, I, mean, I have, I have, and um, yeah, it's character building. That's that's for sure. It is. Um, like, and and so sometimes you just got to cut your teeth on on pub dance floors, and it's not the most enjoyable. But I find it really interesting because I play a lot more cover sort of pub gigs and a lot less original gigs. But I, I noticed that the first time I played an original gig where about 100 people watching us, and they were exactly that. They were really intent on listening. And I was so not used to that because I was so so background that I kept saying how good the weather was like in between every song. I like I was just like, I'm so not used to actually fully engaging. <laughs> and I had a friend um, who's been on the podcast as well, Peter Barry. He said the same thing. He started introducing the the keys to his songs. He'd be He's playing blues music and he's like, this would be like a John Lee Hooker song in the key of G major. <laughs> and he's like, I, I didn't know what to say either. We're so used to playing these background gigs. Yeah. So I, sp- I suppose it's like a little bit of um, a transition and starting to like work your show around kind of engaging between the songs as well. How do you guys find that on stage? You all, I imagine you all have microphones. You're all sort of just doing harmonies and all that sort of stuff. And do you all sort of just have a bit of banter on stage? Very much. Yeah, our, our banter can possibly be too honest you know <laughs> as you can tell we we're we're pretty honest and open yeah. so um people seem to to like that thankfully yeah, yeah. isn't that nice people like honesty <laughs> yeah. yeah who would have thought <laughs> Vul- vulnerability. vulnerability exactly yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah and i think too yeah. like anything with with music and, and music with lyrics in particular there's usually a story being told and often it's like a love lost or a love found or whatever something around that and so many people can relate to that but but what I find too is a lot of people, um, they can relate to it, but they don't have that same ability to express themselves that way. So when they're engaging with you guys singing about, you know, love found or love lost, whatever it is, mm. and they relate, it's quite nice for them because uh, they don't have that same um, songwriting capability necessarily. Not saying obviously they yeah. couldn't, but you know what I mean? They don't have that way of expressing themselves. I think even just in the way we speak to the audience, we're very honest in terms of like if we're feeling a bit overwhelmed or, or nervous we'll share that with yeah. you know at the beginning of the gig we'll say you know we're feeling a bit nervous here and we'll try and <laughs> see the audience if the lights are bright and and really try and make that personal authentic connection yeah. and mm. I think people seem to really love that as well um mm. and yeah I think it's as much about um the character of who we are and who our audience is um as well as the music yeah, yeah. and I think too I can imagine for people coming to see you um, it's not a run-of-the-mill shitty pub band. It's a, like a world-class like coalescence of all these different genres. And so people are coming to have that engagement with you. And that's probably what's nice about it for you guys because you can book a tour and go, we're just going to play all these different venues and we'll see what happens with the crowds or whatever. But I think with the, what you're doing, you, you're playing ticketed shows and doing that kind of thing around the place, people are more intentional to go and watch you, which is probably a lovely feeling, I imagine. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And, and what's happening uh, 
we were talking before and I asked you off air, Katie. I thought I thought we were talking about you guys were getting in the process of recording last time we spoke or yeah. so, with all the songwriting. Where's that process sort of all up to? So we spent this time, you know, as I said, you know, um, doing lots of gigs and de- developing our material. Yeah. Um, and we're booked to um, do some recording early next year. Cool. Actually, when is it now? A few months into the year. Yeah. 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 So we had some fundraiser concerts um, booked, but yeah. of course COVID wiped them out. So we just, we're just we just pushing everything back a bit. Cool. Um, but that's okay. It's just more time to develop the songs. And and, ha- and, yeah. and is that a combination of songwriting? <laughs> oh, just whack my microphone stand. Um, songwriting uh, sessions where you're sitting in the lounge room doing that kind of thing and how that translates on stage. Like, is that what you guys are sort of thinking? Like, what are the best songs that we're writing and and how are they received when we play them? Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we're always – we can't also can't help ourselves, but we tend to be always writing new songs as well. So It's a bit addictive, isn't it? That's right. Like, what we would have put on an album even – Three months ago is probably what different to what we put on an album now, yeah. and in three months maybe different again. So we're just always developing, and what will be on the album will most likely be all original tunes. Cool. Mm. So, uh, you, Arlene, you just look like you wanted to, to chime no, no, in. No, 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 no. I'm oh, cool. excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and do you have? So, I guess what I'm asking too is, is what's the process of? Um, all right, so you let's say it's March next year and you're going to record, let's say, 10 songs. Like yeah. what's the process for you to get all the songs that you've written um, and choose them and say these are the ones we're going to record, these are the ones we're not going to record? How's that going to – or is, am I opening up a can of worms? Is yeah. That, uh, um, I don't know. We what, could what, discuss what it now. Reckon? It's good content. <laughs> it's great content. Band <laughs> meeting. <laughs> I guess we, we have sort of current favourites at different points yeah. and, and they're on the short list for album – material um but i foresee that that will keep changing as new material comes so it's probably Mm. whatever our our favorite songs at the time at the time or you know within a a couple of months before so we can really rehearse them well yeah totally yeah yeah yeah. and and are you going to do it as a live organic Mm. let's all do it together one sort of yeah obviously you can do a few takes of the same song but yeah the recording process will probably be that we will record record it um, live but in separate booths. Yeah. So we'll be playing the rhythm together at the same yeah. time with headphones. Cool. And the reason for that is so that we have the best quality um, <clears throat> sound for each track and it can be mixed um, separately. Mm. Um, but we're all we've, we're all actually playing together at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, it flows. Yeah, nice. And, you know, we may take a couple of takes with harmonies and stuff like that <laughs> vocally. <laughs> and then it'll be mastered um, up at the Byron Shire with Jordan Power. Oh, that's awesome. And where are you, where are you guys going to record it? Do you have you, have you are you allowed to say? Um, we either with Jordan Power or with Lizzie Rutten here locally because she's a great engineer and oh. she does a great job. She's got a great studio, um, so we'd like to support her. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think we were um, thinking about doing a couple of singles earlier in the year with yeah. Lizzie, and then sending them up to Jordan to mix and master, them, yeah. and yeah. then hopefully go up to Byron to do the whole album with Jordan yeah, later nice. in the year. Yeah, yeah. that and sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'd 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 send the minutes after this yeah. interview. And when, you, when you forget, you can just listen to the podcast and take the minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really exciting. Uh, so we're, we only have, a, you know, eight or, eight or nine minutes left of the interview left. 
But um, I just want to say thanks for, for agreeing and thanks for finally. We almost didn't get there, did we? It was like every, everything under the sun. Last <laughs> week we were trying to hang out and it was like I had a migraine, a migraine. Yeah. But good to be here. Um, what's on the horizon for you guys other than just recording your album? Um, it's so it's such a, a almost triggering question to ask because, as you alluded to before, you've you planned gigs, COVID, lockdown, all that. Yeah. Mm. Um, what do you guys sort of foresee the next year to two years being like for you guys? Well, because we're so excited about this band and we love it so much, we love playing, we love everything about it, um, we've got a Northern Rivers tour booked. Cool. Um, we've got um, lots of gigs booked in the area. We'll be playing 63rd First Avenue in Sawtell, Dorigo Golf Club, yep. RSL, the Bellingham Brewery, um, all sorts of different places. If you check out our Facebook page, which is – Wild Time, W-I-L-D-T-H-Y-M-E. Yep. Um, we'll update everything on there. Um, we got T-shirts coming because Laura is actually an incredible artist. Um, nice. Yeah. So we're, you know, like we said, we're talking about recording and doing yeah. some short promo videos, you know, accompanying multimedia. So it's all happening. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I imagine too, like as things start to open up, um, I'm, I don't know what the criteria is, but like, you know, Bellingen, um, Fine Music Festival, that kind of thing. So will you guys be trying to sort of tap into those little boutique festivals up and down the coast and just have a good time just enjoying playing together and playing to new audiences? For we'll, sure. Yeah, we'll play anywhere that'll have us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, well, we'll, I'll have we'll, you in my, on my back. <laughs> like, Great. <laughs> we love it. We do. Barbecue. We already have some festival directors and organisers saying they're really keen to cool. have us come and play, so... There's, you know, when festivals get going again properly, yeah. then I think we'll be quite busy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. How do you reach out to those guys? Are they already pre-connections? Because you said you haven't recorded. Do you have uh, like some demo stuff of what you're doing or some video footage or whatever? Um, many of them are pre-connections because we're all, yeah. you know, we've all been different playing for years and, in yeah, different yeah, projects. Sure. Um, yeah, we will have some yeah. recordings obviously fairly shortly. We've we've got some like a whole bunch of live short videos on yeah. um, our Facebook page Perfect. and we've got a um, promotion video on there that was done by Ryan Jasper and, um, yeah, we've got stuff on there. I find, like, the quality of iPhones now too usually really captures it well and if you're at a live gig, like, as opposed to you guys just playing and rehearsing or whatever, can really capture the the exchange that's going on, the enjoyment that are people having, which is really great as well. They don't yeah. actually have to sound that good, I don't think. I mean, they can you – know, you don't want them to sound terrible. Yeah. But <laughs> they don't need to sound like – the best recorded thing. They just need to yeah. capture a bit of a vibe and that kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah. most people are just viewing these things on their phone anyway. Totally. Yeah. It's, a, it's the funny old um, meme of like if you're a music producer or a writer or whatever and it's um, it's a Leo, Leo DiCaprio film and he's, he's biting his hand and someone's whispering into his ear, you spent all this money recording this with all this expensive gear for people to listen to it on their iPhone speaker. <laughs> it's so funny how we consume music now. We could get all political and say Spotify and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. it is. It's funny how musicians, um, like I can, I can imagine like your, your fiddles, your guitar, your double bass, it all it costs a lot of money. And going into record, it, it all costs a lot of money. Mm. And at the end of the day, when you put it on Spotify, if you decide to do that, you're kind of getting, um, you know, one – Point, what is it, 0. 0.035 cents yeah, every yeah. play. Um, yeah. And it is kind of crazy. What do you think, like, are you guys hoping for some kind of shift and change 
um, in the arts world and the appreciation for the arts world coming out of COVID because I found it's been a question that's been asked a lot over this last little while, you know, like why don't we value the arts? What what can we do to make people really appreciate the arts? What are you guys hoping that comes out of if something could, good could come out of it? What would, what would you hope? Well, I think particularly after everyone's been isolated and locked down and not able to go out much, um, live music's going to be yes. and is already really important. Yeah. Um, and I guess with recorded music not being worth a lot because of Spotify and those other yeah. platforms and live gigs is where um, a lot of the income is at the moment. Totally, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Even for really established acts, that's the case. Like if yeah. they don't tour, they can't live. I mean, they could probably mm. live okay, but they they need to actually keep working and working. And it's, yeah. it's really crazy. Mm. I'd also It's so undervalued, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'd also love to see more people um, realise that supporting artists on platforms like Patreon, where you're yeah. paying a certain amount per month, yeah. um, you know, that's really important. Yeah. Um, I guess just that awareness yeah. that artists are – you know, they're creating their music is really important for our culture yep. collectively and that they need to be reimbursed somehow. They yep. need to be supported somehow. And maybe that is a sort of grass, grassroots way that it can happen if people have that awareness. Oh, absolutely. I think that's – I'd really like to see that become more a little bit more mainstream because then you can have your niche and people can – you know, it's the price of coffee well, price of coffee once a month or something like that. Yeah. People are happy to pay 15, 20 bucks for a cocktail that yeah. might not even be very good. Yeah, that's Whereas, right. like, if you, you know, give some of that money to musicians, because the tricky thing, and I, I think people don't really realise this, and I, I don't know in your careers if you've had that whole thing of, like, you've got to get a real job, you've got to kind of do this, you kind of got to do that. There's so much stigma around um, musicians kind of being lazy and not working, and it's like yeah. the musicians I know are all the hardest working people I know. Like, yeah, no yeah. question. Like, And what's crazy, I guess, is the value that they sort of think of music. But if you took it all away, you took the soundtracks away from the movies, Yeah. you took the, um, you know, the music away when you're just in pubs, even if it's you can't hear it, or you're shopping, mm. it's pretty bland. It's a pretty bland world without music, don't <laughs> yeah. you think? Yeah, mm. for sure. Just quiet, yeah. nothing enjoyable to, like, tickle your ear. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really happy for that. You guys as well? Yeah. Uh, something similar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we are in agreement then. (laughs) (laughs) I think music is um, absolutely essential. You know, I think the arts are an incredibly vital part of culture. Yeah. And, yeah, they should be celebrated and um, supported. Cool. Well, uh, we're getting to that time. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to chat on this podcast. It'll be the last one for the year. We're going to have a little little hiatus from um, plugging all these microphones in and uh, interviewing people and uh, regroup for next year. But best of luck. I'm sure all the shows and everything. Have you got lots of shows coming up over the next little while? We do. We yeah, do. Why don't you, I mean, it'll go, this will go out this week at some point. So okay. anything from next week on, feel free to plug. Okay. Um, I don't have the dates in front of me, but so. we've got the um, the RSL in Dorigo coming up this weekend, but that's will have passed when this comes out. Um, we've got the Golf Club in Dorigo yep. um, this year. We've got the Bell Engine Brewery um, in December. Cool. Um, what else have we got? Um, possibly at the Butter Factory working on a birthday gig, which nice. should be really special. Yeah. Slash fundraiser. Yeah. yeah. We've got 63rd on First Avenue yeah. in Sawtell um, for a gig. In December as well. Um, We've got our yeah. Northern Rivers gigs, which we will um, 
we'll officially announce on our Facebook page cool. when that's ready to go. That will be in January as well. So it's facebook.com yeah. forward slash wild time. That's it. Uh, Wild time time music. music? Wild time music. And time is spelt like the herb. The herb, yeah. Wild herb time music. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That probably probably didn't come out. Wild time music. Wild time time music. music. Thank you so much, guys. Super appreciate you you taking the time. Thanks for having us. Thank you.